welcome to another episode of, of Small Talk, Small Government. This is episode three. We have chosen the topic of media and censorship today. Yay. Hello, Bill. Hello. Um, we are excited to discuss this today. This is another one of those topics. We were so glad that we were going into a week that we weren't going to talk about COVID. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Which has its own media and censorship issue that we, we've tried to get into a little bit, but it, it is nice to switch topics, but yet we find another one that's so dense, it seems like we could just go on and on with it as well. But um, I, I think from my perspective, to to level it for who we hope is our audience that would be folks that, you know, our friends that do not listen to this kind of news are firmly entrenched in one way. And, you know, again, kind of appeal to having the curiosity and the willingness to see what has been in front of us, to see how we have been lied to. Mm -hmm. It's not been corrected. The train keeps on rolling. And if you have enough examples of that that you see, it helps you to be a little bit more willing to open your eyes to see how much of this might there be. I think so. And I think a lot of this stuff, once you start to look for it, you can't unsee it. Indeed, yes. That is the the ultimate red pill. Yeah. And so I think, and we've got, uh, you know, Bill and I have been picking out various quotes. You may have noticed in our episodes so far, we kind of try to title them with a quote. We, we try to go back to some political greats or founding fathers, folks like that. But we did find one that, that we think would be appropriate to open this episode up. And this is by Malcolm X. And he says, if you're not careful... The newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. Yeah, that, and, seems, that seems rather appropriate. You know, and I think we see that. And that's why, to me, everything is, is we the people against the elites. That's the way I look at it. But, yeah. you know, not everybody is, is quite there, but we hope to bring them. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, uh, like, uh, like you say, we're talking about the media today. And uh, a lot of people call it the mainstream media. Uh, Michael Malice uh, calls it the corporate media, which I think is a more appropriate title for the media. Um, it's run by run as a business, um, <laughs> yep. and and at the at at this point, it's really not all that mainstream either. There's some people who still watch the media, but uh, but a lot of people don't. They're getting their information like from podcasts and and YouTube and and that sort of thing. Alternative media, mm -hmm. uh, but we can all remember, at least some of us can remember a time when when the media was trusted within our lifetimes, and it wasn't all that long ago. I remember Wolf Blitzer during during uh, Desert Storm was the guy to go to on CNN. Mm -hmm. And um, and I didn't even have cable back then. And even I knew that Wolf Blitzer was the man to go to for information on Desert Storm uh, mm -hmm. on CNN. It wasn't all that long ago that he was respected, but um, but now CNN seems to have fallen, and, yeah. uh, just like a lot of media. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, one of the, the big things that was so, I mean, for me, it was like just exasperating to watch the Cuomo back and forth. Oh, that all was throughout, Yeah, the year, you know, 2020 and, and then into 2021 a little bit, you know, uh, Chris having him on Andrew Cuomo and he's just a complete media darling had his <laughs> yeah. had his you know set up press conferences daily where he'd, he'd talk in a way like this and make you think that if you have any kind of opposing view to what he's saying then you're obviously dumb you know and and it was just I I just couldn't take it at all and then to find out now that one of the top uh, folks that the women at CNN mm -hmm. apparently worked for his office at some point, and they were helping him to um, 
I guess craft the narrative. Yeah, basically craft the narrative, you know, how, how to, you know, get it out there and just and it's it's the same old thing like if you repeat the same pattern and and lie over and over then it's right. And so it was just Andrew Cuomo's handling of this has been absolutely phenomenally flawless. Couldn't be further from the truth. And, you yeah. know, and, and never was any of that discussed. And it's just, you know, because of who he knew and who he was, he was able to hide all of that. And I think that was probably, and then he came out with that book. Oh, that, yes. What a joke, you know, disgusting to me. But, and, and I think that probably may have been a lot of the beginning of the end, maybe for the decline in, in CNN viewership. Uh, you know, we all know that they've they've just been pulling anchors off left and right, mm-hmm. switching time frames around, uh, time slots and shows around, trying to survive. Yeah, and also taking themselves out of the airports, which I'm that you know that that takes away your captive viewership right there. Interesting. Yeah, good point. And you know, in speaking of corporate media, another thing that I've recently learned is uh, the fact that the majors are pretty much all owned by the same group. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason that I like to point that out because I think that it it bothers me as a, as a conservative to get the Fox news sticker slapped on my forehead, you know, that they're (laughs) Oh, well you're just watching Fox news. It's Fox news. And actually that's not where I rely on to get the majority of my information. And you know what else I know? I know that they are owned by the same company, not owned, but at least major shareholder and influencer. It would BlackRock, And I think we could do an episode on them. Yeah, we could probably, they, they have their, uh, they have their hands in, in many operations, huge, huge stake in, in, in a lot of things. And that's how, if you start to understand, these things, you can understand how there really is this interesting handful of elites Mm -hmm. that are, you know, whether they be in media, politics, corporations, and they're all pulling the strings. And we, if we're not careful, just fall in line. And, and, you know, we need to come together and be an uprising against this. uh, That would really go into all kinds of good information when we do our Great Reset uh, episode. Absolutely. But, you know, and and to that end, though, with, with, you know, the the stereotypical Fox viewer thing, um, (laughs) you know, I know that there are topics that Fox will not discuss. I know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, they're not going to talk about election fraud. I can tell you that because weren't they the ones that came right out with Arizona? And, yeah. when, and when that happened, when they called that that night, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, and, and ever since then, they've never, they do not discuss it. Yeah, they learned their lesson. Yeah. And so that's, you know, they don't discuss it because, and I think they were part of it. But but I do want to point out this awesome thing that I was listening to on the way up here, and we'll put a link to it in our notes. Uh, Candace. Candace Owens Total hero of mine. I really love her when it comes to actual, uh, you know, truth in media. She always gives the facts. She doesn't sugarcoat things. She is a real amazing voice of our time. And I'm so glad that she has so many platforms that she's able to reach folks on. And um, she was talking about the Western narrative. And she was saying how much that she has gotten to the point where she just questions the Western narrative altogether and wonders how long we've been lied to. How long has it been that uh, uh, a few have really um, just shepherded us along this narrative and caused us to believe whatever it is that suits their agenda at the time? And um, she mentioned several great examples of that on uh, on this particular podcast, and um, one of which was really interesting. She said that she has an idea that she likes to listen to speeches of uh, political leaders from history, 
And sometimes she'll listen to things that we all know really well. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, different things that we may not have thought of. And she mentioned uh, Gaddafi's speech from 2009, where he was really like just ripping the West apart, ripping, you know, NATO, the, the way, you know, rules for thee, not for me, mm-hmm. you know, not equally applied, all these kinds of things. He was totally questioning our involvement in Iraq, Afghanistan, the, the entire retaliation of, of 9-11, yeah, yeah, basically. Wow. Yeah. It was really a dense episode. Now, I don't want to take us down that rabbit hole because I know that's not what we're talking about. But the interesting thing to me was she said, and I'm listening to this speech and I think, wow, you know, that's the kind of stuff that can get you killed. Yeah. Well, it did, you know, and it did. And, and the, the, you know, there's there's some question about that. And, and the fact that I, I do, I, I want to point out that the whole Hillary Clinton, when she victoriously discussed this as if mm-hmm. nothing to see here, all on the up and up. She's like, well, yeah, he, we came, we saw, he died. And there you have it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something that kind of helps you get into the mistrust of, of, of you know, the Clintons, which could be its <laughs> own a, episode. A, there's another own. episode here. Okay, sorry about that, Bill. But that's, that, good, but that's <laughs> good info. We should listen to all the viewpoints, even of those people who we think are bad, too. You know, they might have some int- interesting uh, perspective as well. Yeah, I would never think to to look into that, because I would automatically assume that anybody that is, that is, quote, bad, that I've been told is bad, can't possibly have any good ideas. Yeah. You know, can't... And, and, and I would think that if this guy says anything to disparage the West... That just can't be true. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that disparages the West. And that that's one thing that I've, I've learned, too, as I get a little bit, you know, deeper into my understanding of things and a little older and everything. There, there's really, there's very rarely somebody that's totally good in any of these mm-hmm. conflicts and anything else. It's always motives and agendas. And that's something Candace talks about a lot is that you have to understand that politics, the media, everything is really actually played on a very huge scale. Yeah, everything's everything's interconnected. Yeah. Um she also had a um, I, I listened to a little bit of um some uh conversation that she was having with James O'Keefe, who's a, the Project Veritas founder and he's referred to as the last real journalist and he's somebody that we know is just constantly intimidated, smeared, and that's what you have. You you have to notice. I mean, I I hope not that you have to, but I hope that you start to realize that Actually, if 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 the mainstream or the corporate media, as you say, goes wildly ballistic about attacking little guys, meh, maybe there's a little something else behind that. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, why are you going to attack, a, you know, parlor, for instance? We tried. No, you can't have that. Shut it down immediately. Yeah, that, yeah. that just makes me person because that's just my personality type, I guess. I just want to know more about that now. <laughs> it's kind of backfiring. Yeah, it, that's the uh, um, that's a Barbara Streisand effect um, of years <laughs> ago. That that um, Barbara Streisand found her house on some obscure satellite image database, and so she sued to get it off the mm-hmm. database because she wanted some privacy, of course. Mm-hmm. And then all that did was cause millions of people to look up the image of her house on the satellite database. Yeah, the Barbara Streisand <laughs> effect. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> I want my privacy. I want my privacy, but but all it did was yeah. Was thanks just for letting bring, us know. Yeah, just all that did was just uh, uh, make everyone look harder at yeah. it. Yeah, and you've been listening to uh, Candace Owens and and those kind of podcasts. I was listening to uh, Dave Rubin podcast here recently with Michael Malice, and uh, he's really good. Um, uh, definitely recommend uh, looking up some stuff from him. Um, he's really good on the media, um, and he was saying that. 
if you if you look back at the 2020 election cycle, then uh, there was all kinds of Democratic outliers who were who were basically shunned. You got you got Bernie, you got Tulsi, you got Andrew Yang. Um, There's some other lesser known Democrats out there who were just uh, reduced in visibility. Um, and yeah. you'd have you'd have Biden and some of the more some of the bigger front runners always on TV, mm-hmm. and people could you know they could send I guess the surrogates they call them to to talk about the you know talk about their campaign and everything, but. But there was no one from any of these campaigns who were allowed on on the big mainstream media. And, yeah. And they were kind of shunned, too. And, you know, you can see that also with, you know, the division between the insiders and outsiders class that you mentioned is the, the, there's black Republicans that aren't allowed to join the Congressional Black Caucus. Right. Like I'm uh, black. Tim Scott. Yeah. What's the problem? You know, yeah. it's. Yeah. So just not the right kind, because if you don't think like they think, you're outside. Right. That's it. And uh, of course, Larry Elder. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yeah, you know, a really great, really great thinker, really great story, and everything. But um, he could do some really good stuff. But uh, you know, he's just he's an outsider, yeah. so he's so he's excluded. Yep. And that that brings you to the uh, to the debate of is the media part of the left or the Democrats, or is it the other way around? The Democrats are part of the media. I think uh, Michael Malice is arguing that that the Democrats are part of the media, but uh, but then other people argue that it's the other way around. So it's it's kind of like a a conglomeration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he also mentions you know like it's it's always been like this. We just we just have the ability to fact check in real time. You know somebody says something and then it shows up on Twitter or YouTube or somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, there's always been propaganda. The media has always been. Um, you know, running doing cover, that, you know, running and, yeah, cover, and mm-hmm. all like that. But uh, we're just we're we're more um, more aware of it these days, and it, it could just be more vicious because we can do that. Mm-hmm. But then there's um, another another person I've listened to is is Batya Ungar Sargon, and I believe she's the um, opinion editor at uh, Newsweek. Um, I've really um, really enjoyed listening to what she's been having to say here recently. Um, and she was saying that that journalism used to be a blue collar job, um, used to be uh, you know kind of kind of low paying. The the journalists would be in, in working class neighborhoods mm-hmm. and everything. I even saw I I was trying to look up journalism schools and, mm-hmm. and and the top in the country to kind of get a sense of like you know what are folks learning now when they go to school for journalism? Is it is it kind of like the, the same skew as we think many. Uh, colleges, you know, toe the line one way. Yeah. And I, I couldn't really find a lot of evidence about that. But what I did see was that the starting out salaries for journalists, even still, it, it's not it, it's not a real high paying job. People got into that job because they wanted to make a difference. Yeah. The same thing about so many of our careers that, you know, we look upon with such, you know, dignity and respect. Police officers, teachers, journalists, those were the people not trying to get rich, <laughs> trying to make a difference, you know. Yeah, and now at some point, um, these blue-collar journalists they just abandon the working class and mm-hmm. blue-collar journalists on you know of all persuasions uh, the the entire uh, the entire industry the entire career abandoned the working class and and at that point the um, uh, the left-leaning journalism uh, became more elitist, mm-hmm. very alienating. Yeah, very alienating to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially nowadays with media, then it's a lot easier to uh, to pick and choose your um, your audience. 
even back then, the distribution of a newspaper, because uh, I was a primary source of, of, of news and everything, that used to be an indicator of readership. And now it's engagement online. Mm-hmm. Uh, since, you know, there's not a lot of people getting the newspaper, more people are just looking online for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being like a, you know, you, you can look at the quantity of newspapers sold yeah. and, and how far your newspaper, your publication reaches, now it's engagement basically means clicks and yeah, interaction. Just your clicks. Yeah, yeah, your clicks and how long you're staying on a page. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, there uh, these uh, media companies are using feelings to keep people online. And mm-hmm. the more they're online, the more likely they're going to click on an ad. Yeah. And if they <laughs> click on an ad... You know, there you go. There's money. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, it's a financial aspect that's yes, driving this. Yes. Follow and the money. Yeah. Follow the money. <laughs> Always oh, there, there's the another, thing. yeah, there's yeah. another podcast episode yes. we've, talk, we've <laughs> talked about. So we're teasing all kinds of podcasts that are coming up, I yeah. guess. And, we, especially on the conservative side, are always um, angry at New York Times because it seems like they're always, you know, they have a clear bent on their on their um, perspective there. But uh, Bachiangar Sargon says that, that their core audience is about 7 million highly affluent, highly educated white liberals. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's their core audience. They don't want readers who make their audience uncomfortable, like conservatives. They don't mm-hmm. want another another opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they say what their readers want to hear, and it's purely for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it is. It's it's uh, you know you come to the New York Times and you want to place an ad, and they say, "How do you want your readers to feel?" And how long do you want them to feel that way? And they can place your ad on this. Mm-hmm. And she said. Um, that during Trump's uh, second year in the White House, his name was mentioned 97,000 times in New York Times articles. Mm-hmm. And in Obama's uh, term, in his second, uh, he was mentioned 37,000 times. Wow. So there's a difference of 60,000 times. And that's all emotion. Yeah. And just, to, just... just to get people to stay there. They mention his... His, uh, what is it, every 200 and some 250 words or something like that, mm-hmm. twice an article. And, and basically, they can keep, keep people on there to click on an ad. Yeah, and that's the thing because it's just, there, there was such a focus, and that's what we call Trump derangement syndrome, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, at all costs, orange man bad, just keep throwing it out there. It's what people want to hear. But you know what? That's the thing. It's really, I'm encouraged to hear from you mm-hmm. that they've got a core audience of 7 million. Yeah. Because I keep hearing that and I'm thinking, are there really, is this what people really want to hear? Because I can't imagine that it is. To me, it's so obvious and, and, and skewed and forcing you to, you know, put your blinders on and just see this guy who was an outsider as mm-hmm. being some massive problem. For me, it's not hard to see how all these pieces fit together and realize, wow, they really had an interest in getting this guy out. They are completely ticked that he is in yeah, there because yeah. he is disrupting the whole thing. He's the outsider of all outsiders. Yeah. And, you know, while you're on the New York Times um, uh, topic there, I, I had further down in my notes that I was I was going to mention this, but this might be a better time. Let's think about the fact when you talk about feeling and they, they just they, they kind of also just want to reinforce what their viewers or what their readers feel. Yeah. You yeah. know, so if that's what you believe, we're going to write you something that, uh, you know, attributes to that belief. And that's what we're going to keep with. It's, it's not something that is like, you know, let's consult the experts or let's <laughs> yeah. dig into the facts or anything like that. It's, it's the echo chamber, as they say. But I want to I want to point this out because what really blew my mind 
was their episode, their article that came out a few months, I think it was a few months after Biden was inaugurated. And, and then finally they come out with this elaborate way of explaining how they just fortified the election. Yes, yes. The great election fortification of 2020. You know, and it's so what are we supposed to? Oh, thank you. Thank you for getting involved and and making sure that 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 (laughs) outcome could be what you felt like it should be. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like then to to think of that in terms of seven million readers. What the heck is that? You know, I mean, so anyway, that just I I have to remind myself that. you know, I don't. I don't really think that we are the minority, actually. So I, I need to remind myself of that and have some confidence. Well, the the seven million uh, uh, people in the core audience of the New York Times think we are. Yes, so. yes, we're complete crazy outsiders. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to read this out of that article, if if you will allow me. Go for it. Um, so he says here. Their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. They funded, uh, they, they, they fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and used data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. What does that mean? We, we find what we don't like. We make it go away. I mean, you know, to me, all of this sounds bad, but I guess if you're one of those 7 million readers, you're like, oh, yes, thank goodness they were there. Yeah, I could <laughs> see that that uh, you could read that with the Battle Hymn of the Republic playing in the background. <laughs> and so it says, after Election Day, they monitored every pressure point, monitored the pressure points. Uh, to ensure that Trump could not overturn the result. So just intimidate, intimidate, push, push, push. Mm-hmm. You didn't see anything. You don't have that. That's not a fact. You know it's not true. Well, what about those bins that we saw being pulled out from under tables? What about all these that can't be substantiated? No, no, no. Nope, you didn't nope. see that. You didn't see that. And that's how they basically, you know, pressured and pressured and pressured to keep key people from coming forward with this. So, I mean, thank goodness there's been whistleblowers, but... Again, another episode. But uh, and then finally, it says here, the untold story of the election is the thousands of people of both parties who accomplished the triumph of American democracy at its very foundation, says Norm Eisen, a prominent lawyer and former Obama Obama administration official who recruited Republicans and Democrats to the board of the Voter Protection Program. Oh, the Voter Protection Program, that sounds pretty serious. That sounds very official. Yeah. It doesn't sound at all like, you know, a a big uh, intermeshing of fraud. No, no, it doesn't. Future episode. I can't see that uh, (laughs) that they would have anything bad to do. But it's, you know, it's like, you know, where where are the curious journalists here that would say, well, who were these people? What Mm -hmm. criteria caused uh, any of them to be selected for the board? You know, I mean, it's just, but, but those questions aren't asked. And that's what's a shame about the media we have today. Yeah. Yeah, no one's no one's willing to ask the questions because they have their own built-in audience, and that that makes me wonder. If and the that's money why is too put, great. Yeah, to your point of yeah. you know, like I, I could I could tell the truth or do some real work and dig into to find the truth and facts behind these things, or I can just read the teleprompter, you know, uh, th- this latest propaganda that's been thrown on my desk in front of me, and then I'm a millionaire. Yeah, exactly. You know. And that makes me wonder why they don't post corrections if there's just no there's no uh, financial incentive for them to to post corrections. Yeah. 
And which, the people suffer. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but if you know how to read the media, then then it, it's it, like I say, it's another one of those things that you'll never you'll never unsee once you start to look for it. And so uh, one of the things that they do is is uh, to ascribe the most nefarious descriptions to somewhere in their opening descriptions and do it consistently, do the the, the same kind of thing consistently. And uh, it's uh, called uh, preemptive dismissal. So some examples are like, you know, Donald Trump, comma. A known racist who is literally Hitler, mm-hmm. comma, <laughs> met with the prime minister today. So they're, oh, they're putting that, yeah. that opinion statement in. They don't need to to qualify Donald Trump. We all know who he is. Yeah. And and another example that that we all know here recently is you know and everybody out there say it with me. Yeah. Ivermectin, comma, a horse dewormer, mm-hmm, comma, mm-hmm. is touted by Joe Rogan, comma. Who peddles harmful medical disinformation? Oh yeah, you comma. know Joe Rogan, that guy who peddles harmful medical misinformation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, comma as a COVID treatment. So they don't need to qualify Joe Rogan. They don't need to qualify ivermectin. But but that's uh, something they stick in there to show you that these things we're talking about are really bad, and you need to think of them as mm-hmm, bad mm-hmm. too. I'm letting you know how to think about them. If you didn't know, I'm going to tell you how to think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and consistently too. You uh, you can't read an article on ivermectin without finding out that it's a horse dewormer in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that article, it's going to say that. And again, to your point, they're never going to go back now that, that it is being prescribed all over the world, mm-hmm. has amazing data that backs it up as a huge help, as, as, a, yeah. as a treatment. And yet, never going to do it. They're just not going to do it. And this is this is also something uh, called audience training, and it's different than bias. Bias is having you know an opinion about something, but audience training is is doing this so that everybody knows that this is the topic we're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it makes me think of um, you know, the the sixty minutes interview that that Trump had that he released the entire thing, knowing that the edited version that would be aired would be, you know, all of the things just baiting him in mm-hmm. to what they, you know, the sound bites that they would have wanted or the things that would make him sound the worst or, you know, seem the least caring and, you know, what a bad guy and all. I mean, and he was already well aware of of the way the media paints that picture, uses the same terms over and over, the mm-hmm. same adjectives, the same descriptors of people and events and different things, and then just hammers it away, hammers it away, uh, you know, releases just pieces of things and not the whole, um, you know, he, he'd been through that so many times. And so, you know, in, in that, uh, that interview, there were lots of important things that he was bringing up that that particular interviewer just wasn't interested in letting the audience hear to, you know, all kinds of things about the the way we do need to look into the potential corruption that the Biden family has, for instance, in their overseas dealings. And, you know, the the laptop was out at that time, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, and and yet it just she she just wanted nothing to do with it. And what did she say? No, we're not talking about that because it can't be proven. It can't be substantiated. And he would say, why? Why can't it be? And, you know, she just would go completely dismissive. And that's the thing that really disgusts you about the media when you understand that they're, they make it so that you can't make up your own mind for things because they either won't put it out there for you to explore or be aware of, yeah. or they'll tell you right off the bat, no. 
d- yeah. d- dismiss it, you know. And there's there's a difference between editing that for a certain time. You know, they had that they had a certain time frame that they needed to to adhere to, mm-hmm. and so you can cut out stuff that's not really relevant to the conversation to get that down to that time, but. But this is information that that should be out there. Yeah, and I mean, so you that, can you yeah. can cut around that and, and put the good stuff in there. But if you're cutting it, cutting out the stuff you don't want to you don't want to be out there, then that's uh, that's deceptively yeah. editing it. And and I think that was the point that he was trying to make is that you know th- there are topics of vast importance that for whatever reason aren't coming up. Yeah, you know, and and you know, of course, by that time we we were. <laughs> It was well known that the Russia hoax was a complete hoax. Yeah. Why are we not talking about that? You know, so all of those resources that were wasted into that. And, and that was the, you know, so that's just my two cents on the the audience training, I guess you'll say. <laughs> yeah. Or the, you know. Um, it was, uh, Michael Malice was calling that audience training. Mm-hmm. Now, Viva Fry, who I've mentioned before, I uh, really like to listen to his stuff um, on podcast and on Rumble. Viva Fry, um, he's in Canada out of uh, Quebec, um, a lawyer up there, and he says that that words are the tools of lawyers, and I'm assuming is you, know, you could say the same thing about journalists, mm-hmm. that, that that's what they use in their trade. You know, a carpenter uses a hammer, and, and uh, journalists and lawyers use words, mm-hmm. uh, so they need to be very precise with those words. And he says that, uh, that when the media starts a... a um, a sentence or a um, headline with, you know, yes, comma, or no, comma, that probably means you're being lied to, or, <laughs> or at least if, if nothing else, you're, they're treating you like an idiot. Yeah. There's a good pro tip. <laughs> yeah. There, so, so watch out for those, uh, those sentences, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, um, uh, and it also says that uh, watch for words that don't clarify the statement like, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, far right commentator, Tucker Carlson, mm-hmm. um, or words, words that are in there, like, uh, debunked or unproven mm-hmm. or sources say, or data suggests, mm-hmm. or, you know, something's bizarre or it's an unsubstantiated claim. Mm-hmm. You know, these words really don't, don't mean anything unless you're willing to back it up. You know, data suggests, and mm-hmm. here's the mm-hmm. data. If you just say, you know, yeah. like ivermectin doesn't work, data suggests, then, uh, you know, you're, you're just what making data? an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about, sh- show me this data or yeah. tell me, you know, let, let's talk about it. But that, that's the thing that's sad is that the media, it's almost like, you know, any of us who are, you know, acting sh- like sh- cheap, they're expecting us to play into the same old thing. Like, I am speaking to you from behind a microphone. As a person of authority, I'm letting you know that that claim is unsubstantiated. Now on to the weather, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's just, but and, and they're expecting us to just be like, huh, okay, okay. Sounds good then. I guess yeah. I won't bother to think any more about it, and uh, that's what they've just told me. So yeah, yeah. those those uh, those election claims they they've said that they're unsubstantiated. So I guess they. I are. guess they must be, and it, it takes me back to you know one one of my favorite things that an old high school friend of mine you know told me when I was being totally roasted online about thinking that there might be some uh, some uh, uh, nefarious dealings there in the election. Well, Deb, um, you know if there had been fraud, they would be telling you that. Oh, would they? Thank you. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll keep waiting. You know? <laughs> I just thought that was the best. But I mean, like, that's the argument. So anyway, it kind of, it makes me think, and I don't know, uh, you know, where we were considering discussing it, but it might be a good time to bring up the, um, the, the State Department. 
yeah. interview that happened this week when when they're when they don't give you that backup and they just say something is false they do not qualify it in any way or give mm-hmm. you the rest of that statement that you can discern for yourself right and that was uh that was ned price the state department spokesperson and he was being roasted by matt lee who was from the ap a real journalist a real journalist yeah Yeah. uh um ned price came out and said uh you know here's what we found and and matt lee basically said prove it and and uh, ned price said i just did i told you and that is all that that is is all all. yeah and then go lay peasant yeah yeah that's insane. And and that's the thing that just drives me crazy because that's not something that I would expect here. And it makes me, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 40 years old this year. And I look back and I'm thinking, when did this happen? Because I remember like growing up and being a younger adult, you know, and, 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 and I trusted these things. But you can't. It, like, at what point did we shift to this? What, what what country are we living in that you up there from the podium can simply say to me, well, I just told you. And, 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 and the journalist is asking, well, where are the unclassified documents? By virtue of the word unclassified, what I'm saying to you is I expect you to point me to a link yeah. or something. Show me where this is. You're not going to just stand up there and tell me this. Yeah, and Ned Price says, I'll give you the transcript. But that that's just what I said. And yeah, that, that's of not, this particular day, yeah. this interview, I hear about what you just that's said. That's not proof. Yeah, but, you know, that, and, and that was the thing, you know, God bless Matt Price for saying, you know, I, I remember uh, weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> I remember hearing that Kabul wouldn't fall. Yeah. You know, oh, okay, those are also things. But I've said it. I said it. So that is all. Moving on to the next person. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just sick what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And then it's being allowed to go on. And I mean, and it will be allowed to go on until there is enough outrage from the public about it. So we have to be aware. Yeah. Or everyone stops listening to all that and, and just gets their gets their media from alternative sources or their, their information from alternative sources. Yes. God, we cannot have things uncentralized. So then that, that brings me to, um, to the celebration parallax, which is a... Uh, a term used to to say that the uh, the same fact pattern is either true and glorious or false, uh, depending on who says it. So you were saying about Gutfeld was yeah. saying, was talking about some, uh, uh, some yeah stuff. He, he says the same thing with the the, the parallax. I guess it's kind of like a, I mean I'm thinking paradox. Mm-hmm. You know of the same. He says all the time that the media has this phenomenal way of getting us to believe that there's only two possibilities in anything and it, it's it's they're very good at at polarizing the people and saying well if you're for this then you're against that you know it's i mean even even for instance as as much as we're all tired of the covid thing yeah. the the vax and the mandates i'm not anti vax as in you know I, I all vaccinations are terrible and but mm-hmm. yeah i'm anti mandate you you don't mandate people to do something that may not actually be in their own self-interest and isn't necessary, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that brings us to talking about the truckers. Yep, there we go. <laughs> the Canadian truckers, yes. who I think I think you had a really good point the other day. You said that the Canadian truckers are acting more American than the Americans. Yeah, it's shameful. I'm, I'm sad about how, how little I see us coming together, really. It's it's very unfortunate. But uh, but their, their media, and well, actually all the media, all the corporate media in Canada and all over the world is saying that um, the bad things are happening up there. It's just a bunch of, you know, fringe element 
far right people getting violent getting people violent. have nazi flags oh my goodness I, I really don't you know okay yeah there there's uh there's really not that happening i'll out tell there. you what you know here's something to be really aware of that that it annoys me when when folks will you know make this this crazy nazi claim you know if I, I firmly believe that anytime there's something that outrageous and egregious, mm-hmm. it's probably a plant. That's that's me in my tinfoil hat. Because yeah. I'll tell you, Bill, I don't know anybody on our side who is also a Nazi sympathizing fascist. We're no. aware of what fascism is, and that's what we see being hoisted on us with these mandates. Yeah, so that, we're not going to be out there with a Nazi flag. Exactly. And, and <laughs> anybody, any conservative or, or uh, you know, Patriot American or Patriot Can- Canadian or... Or anybody like that, you know, if they see that kind of stuff, then it's like, you know, they'll shun them, they'll get them out of the movement. Absolutely insane. But that's what the, you know, all the media is lying about, um, about what's happening there. Um, But there's, there's a bunch of people who were, who were, um, wanted to see this for themselves. So they come down to the city, to Ottawa, where a lot of this stuff is going on. And it's not just Ottawa, it's all over the, all over Canada where this is happening, but Ottawa is, you know, the main place mm-hmm. and they want to see it for themselves. Um, and I was watching, uh, something on, um, uh, Viva Fry's channel, uh, the other day. And, uh, there was a woman down there. She said, uh, and I quote, she said, I watched the media for two years and it's all a lie. Mm-hmm. And she was watching and, and uh, the media was saying that it's, um, you know, fringe element, like I said, and she wanted to come down and, and see that. And there's, it, it's nothing like that. It's, I was actually watching uh, some of the, um, the recorded uh, live stream that he did. And it's a very, very boring time down there in the middle of the day yeah. in Ottawa. It's just a bunch of trucks just kind of sitting around. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, people are eating, they're making food there. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's bouncy castles too. They even brought bouncy castles for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this is hardly some kind of a, uh, um, a, uh, some sort of a far right extremist revolt. Yeah, that people are like, you know, throwing, you know, uh, bottles and, and breaking yeah. things with bats and all kinds of crazy yeah, there's, there's even some guy driving around in a big pickup truck with a trailer on it going around to pick up the trash that the trash people can't get to mm-hmm. in, in downtown Ottawa. Imagine. I mean, and, and Imagine that happening in Portland. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this, this guy was, I think he was from Manitoba or somewhere like that. So he's come from, you know, out of town and he's helping out and he's, you know, there's there's a video of 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 people you know clearing the sidewalks of the snow and picking up trash mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know leaving the place cleaner than you found it. Yeah, and I mean they they say that this and this is the the most effective and successful display of civil disobedience mm-hmm. in of our generation, which I Absolutely. think is you know our particular generation. I, I think that's that that's really something to say. And it's and and you don't see it in the in the corporate media, but. But this has happened in all over the world. There was, there's been, um, you know, uh, uh, smaller trucker convoys in, in Mexico. There's one in Bolivia. Um, there's uh, some all over Europe. There's one coming to Paris. There's one, you know, talking about starting here and mm-hmm. on the West Coast coming here to D.C., um, it's just, it's, it's all over the world. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the sad thing is, I, I hope we've got enough time to talk a little bit about some of the uh, stats of the 2020 protests, because the, the sad thing is, if you have not caught up yet on how you were lied to about that a couple of years ago, then you might be likely to believe 
the way the truckers are now being painted because it's the same thing, you know? Um, And so I I actually dug up a good amount of um, stats on those riots. This is from, this is a report on the 2020 protests and civil unrest. It looks at unrest in the 68 largest municipal and county jurisdictions in the United States and Canada from May 25th to July 31st, 2020. So they quantified 8,700 protest events were reported. Wow. Of them, 3,692 involved unlawful acts of civil disobedience. 574 involved violence. Hmm. There were 2,385 looting incidents. 624 incidents of arson. Wow. 97 police vehicles were burned. Ooh. 20,000, I'm sorry, 2,035 law enforcement officers were injured. Wow. So you're talking about, you know, what is that, May to June to July? You're talking three months? And this, this was the summer of love, you yeah, know? 2,000 police officers were I injured. don't know wow. of a single corporate media, uh, well, uh, basically the, uh, of, the, of the left-leaning variety that ever would tell the truth about what was going on during that time. No. It was all, you know, supposed to be just completely... Uh, it totally founded, um, completely legitimate, and uh, they, they also indicated that there were 16,241 protesters arrested, 17% of those were felony arrests, and 7% involved violence. But here's the real kicker. Many of those cases were quickly dismissed, which explains why 52% of reporting agencies said they arrested the same person two, three times. Oh, uh, okay. And of course, that, that brings you to, you know, yeah, because they were like churning them out of jail. They were, they were expecting people to give money mm-hmm. to bail these criminals out. Yeah. You know, and so that was really happening. I mean, towns were completely terrorized. Law enforcement was completely, uh, you know... Uh, uh, demonized and and just completely disrespected in every way and and the sad thing about that was this is all this was a you know this was around george floyd and everything which we were all on the same page about (laughs) when happened it was such a it's so sad the way you know different things got their claws into it and just ripped it to to shreds to make it the worst thing it could possibly be and so i mean you know my point in making any of that was simply that you know, that really did happen. The media is never going to go back and tell you the truth about any of that. You know, I don't know if you, if you if you happen to know anybody who lives in any of these cities, but I mean, my God, Portland will never be the same. No, no. You know, and, and, and even, um, you know, then you, it, all of the defunding and everything else. It's, but anyhow, another good example of the media lying and never going back would be, uh, you know, the Rittenhouse trial. Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. And a recent one, too. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've seen uh, got red-pilled on that one. Yeah. Because they had completely the wrong impression about uh, what happened. And then, and then in the, in, the, in, the, in the trial, a lot of stuff came out. And, yeah. And they're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. That, that, I didn't think that happened. And, and so... And, they I mean, didn't realize that, that you know, he yeah. never shot a black person. Right. And, and, and that he didn't take his gun across state lines, for instance, and all yeah. these other things that they just kept hammering away. Right, these right, complete, right. not, total lies. Just, yeah. There's no truth in, in a lot of what they said. And the thing that, you know, you're saying that people you knew actually watched the trial and then had their eyes opened. I know a lot of people who didn't watch the trial, did nothing but listen to what the you know left-wing media was telling them, 
And then, and, and what is the purpose of this? The purpose can only possibly be to keep us divided and hating each other yeah. based on race or whatever, uh, you know, a, a destructive criteria you can think of. Yeah. Just for the profit of the corporate media. Yeah. And of course, this is something that this, you know, it continues the racial divide, continues ginning up a discourse about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things that we know they're going to use to attempt to continue dismantling us as a whole, you know, and, and that's just, that's just a sad reality that, that we're living in. But I think that, um, if we, if we realize what we're, um, what we're being told and how we're being told that stuff, mm-hmm. um, and look for, for other sources, like, uh, like with the truckers, um, you can watch, uh, a lot of live streams and a lot of commentary from people who are actually there, like in Ottawa. And wandering see for around the street, yeah. yeah. See for yourself. There's one that's, um, of course, I mentioned Viva Fry. He he, about every other day he does like a, I think it's about a four hour live stream from there. He's just wandering around, yeah, pretty much talking to everybody he runs into because mm-hmm. he's a friendly guy, yeah. And you know, saying how's things going down here, and they say, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, here's here's what it is. Mm-hmm. There's another one, um, Otta Walks, O T T A W A L K S, um, that it's just a guy wandering around Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So you can see for yourself, uh, Clyde do something is, is another good one. Tire roasters garage. Um, they have more, more analysis and news from, uh, from various places. Rebel news is pretty much, I think the only news outlet that was at the, um, I think it was at the Montana, Alberta border. Um, they, they just happened to be there and I think just got caught up in it. And, and so no one could get in. So they were kind of almost like the official news of, of them, mm-hmm. of that, of that location. Um, you, you can even look up Russia today and maybe even Al Jazeera because they, sometimes they have some really good analysis, you know, from outside right. to, that's more objective. They're not biased by the, you know, the Canadian or the, or the American mm-hmm. uh, stories. The political narrative and that, that even goes have. with, um, with other stories that are in the U S and, and abroad, you can, you can look up those two as mm-hmm. well. They have, um, it, obviously there, there is a bias there, but, um, but it's a different perspective than we might have here. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you talk about, um, you know, actually walking around and seeing how things are. Yeah. And yet remember the, the infamous CNN story uh, <laughs> during 2020 and there's a there's a burning building behind the guy and he says well you know i'm just here in this mostly peaceful just pretty you know mostly peaceful protest here and there's a guy in the background he's like no we're not no we're not and i mean it's like hey, come on now and, and, and it's 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 the old saying isn't it uh, don't believe your lying eyes yeah you know i can see for myself that you are lying to me yeah i've never seen anything like that from the from the live streams and in anything in ottawa like i say you know, granted, when it first started, it was a little more um, raucous and everything, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of boring right now. I mean, to look yeah. at it from an objective oh, perspective, yeah. it's you know, it's it's kind of uh, kind of a boring scene yes, out there. Yes, I saw what, a report on it last yeah. night, and and they're interviewing this uh, a few a hand, little handful of people, and the guy said he's like, if you pan your camera around right now, you will see there is no hate here, mm-hmm. and there are people of every color, every walk of life, every denomination represented mm-hmm. here. And that is the truth, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, these are people coming together based on the foundation of freedom. It doesn't matter what color you are, yeah, you know. It, it affects everyone. Yes, and you know? they're aware of that, and yeah. it's just you know, 
Thank goodness. Yeah, it's a it's a very exciting thing that's happening out there. But if you look at it objectively through the through the lens of the cameras that are there, it's it's you know there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that's uh, you know criminal and all that all like that's happening out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. So in closing this conversation, I think it's just important to to say that if you look into these things and you find that maybe the truth is different than what you've seen on TV or in the news, on your feed, then, you know, maybe it's something that'll help you be a little bit more curious and dig into things and start to think about what purpose do they have to be giving me this information in this way? And perhaps think, you know, maybe I'm going to try something else. And then this will feed into many of the new topics that we want to discuss, digging into all of this, because it is a foundational element. If you can understand that the media isn't your friend, then you can start opening your mind to to the real truth about things, just looking at the facts, not looking at the spin. Stay informed and stay free. Stay free.